0: It's a chance for revolt to Jackson oh, oh, he's got it. oh in front. Jackson kicks Jackson goes.
1: Tigers get the break they require!
0: good welcome to the foundations of performance podcast where we chat to elite performers from around the world in order to tap into the knowledge and experience that has helped them get to the top of their game My name is Dan Jackson, I'm a former professional Australian Rules footballer, and it's my goal to share with you the tips, secrets, and lessons learned from the guests I speak with so that you can apply them to your own performance. So whether you're an aspiring athlete, dancer, musician, or simply someone who's looking to better themselves, grab a pen, sit back, and join me on this journey to uncover the secret to turning potential into elite performance. This week's interview is the first one in the Foundations of Performance podcast series that isn't with a sports person. But this guy is very much an elite performer in his own right. Alexander Campbell is a world-class Australian ballet dancer who is currently a principal at the Royal Ballet in London. Now, for those of you who don't know much about ballet, and I was definitely one of those guys, the Royal Ballet is considered one of the world's top ballet companies and a principal dancer is one of the top dancers within a company. So in other words, Alexander Campbell is absolutely an elite performer in the world of dance. Now whether you've ever taken an interest in ballet or dance before, I highly recommend you give this interview a listen. As Alexander's story from a suburban Sydney boy who used to play a lot of cricket and did a bit of dancing as well to being one of the top dancers in the world is a really fascinating one and he speaks with a lot of of uh, great insight into what it takes to be a top level ballet dancer the the amounts of training they do every day where sports science is intersecting now and helping them jump higher further and, and dance for longer talk specifically about how he deals with things like performance anxiety and how he makes sure to face up to his deficiencies so he's always improving very very similar things to what we normally hear about from athletes so Grab a pen, as I always say. Make sure you take some notes because I'm sure you're not only going to enjoy this, but you'll take plenty out of it for yourselves. One last thing. I have to apologize for the noise. It was a bloody hot day in London when we recorded this, left the window open. There are some planes flying overhead, so don't look up in the sky. I'll get tuned out after a few minutes. We managed to shut the window, but apologies for the noise in the background. All right, let's get into it. All right, Alexander, I'm really excited because, mate, this is the first time I've had an in-person guest, and maybe, ironically, maybe not, but two Australians in London. Welcome to my humble abode. Thanks very much. It's good to be here. Well, mate, I've only been here for just over 12 months in London. You've been here for 16 years. Yep. Uh, that's half your life. How, has that journey gone quick?
1: It, it has, actually, yeah. I um, find it quite amazing, actually, the thing that... I, that some point very soon uh, in the next few months actually it's going to be uh, I'll, I'll have spent more time over this side of the world than uh, the time I spent growing up in uh, Sydney yeah it's uh, you've kept your accent though well I'm, I'm hanging out with a fellow Aussie and it uh, definitely comes out more then <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's it we'll come to that uh, later on so mate, at, at 16 though you came over just really on a, the whim of an opportunity you got a scholarship to the Royal Ballet School did you ever think it was going to get you this far
1: I think the that was the aim sure um You know, the opportunity to go to the Royal Ballet School was a wonderful opportunity and I I think I'd I'd been um, sold on the idea of going to the Royal Ballet School and progressing into a company and hopefully progressing to become a principal in a company. Um, So, uh, yeah, 15-year-old me just about to come over here was definitely thinking or hoping that this would be um, the outcome. Uh, What I would say is that throughout the course of this journey, um, I think I probably realised it was a lot harder than I possibly could have known um, at that early stage. But, yeah, this was was always the end.
0: You were heading on the the track that you thought. Well, before we get into uh, sort of the nitty-gritty, because I know I've only started to to learn a lot more about ballet since we met a few months ago, and I know a lot of the listeners uh, will be AFL-based or hockey-based, so maybe if you could explain kind of what bit of context around the Royal Ballet because I read somewhere it's actually one of the top maybe three companies in the world and also what a, a principal dancer is and what that status actually represents yeah
1: the, the Royal Ballet is one of the world's most famous and um, well-respected ballet companies in the world uh, probably is in the top three um, you'd be looking at uh, maybe the Paris Opera um, American Ballet Theatre uh, the Russian Ballet companies as well would figure into those discussions um, of course it 's totally uh, subjective, um, but it 's uh, the Royal ballet is hugely supported all over the world and it 's yeah certainly very famous um, and The role of a principal dancer in a uh, ballet company uh, is the very top. Um, We have ranks in the Royal Ballet. There are five ranks of dancers. Uh, You have an artist, you have a first artist, soloist, first soloist and principal. And those ranks relate to uh, the roles that you're likely to be uh, cast in and um, the sort of responsibility and the the level of the role that you'll be given. So an artist will... Traditionally, be involved in big uh, group numbers. Um, it might be one of sixteen or twenty. Um, a bit more.
0: What's happening in the background, kind of. Well, thing. Well, you're
1: working as a group and in a core, um, and then soloists. Um, you know, might have the opportunity to do short solos um, and and some featured roles. And then the principal is basically the lead. You know, the leading star of a western show or a movie. You know, yeah. um, they take the responsibility of, of, of leading the show. So. Like a lead
0: actor in a movie. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Um, <laughs> And it's yeah. It's the the, the the very top. Yeah.
0: And there's only a certain amount at each company as well. So how many in London at the Royal? So Ballet the Royal Ballet?
1: the Royal Ballet we have about a hundred dancers in all, and there are I think fourteen principals oh, at the all. moment. Um, seven guys, seven girls. Um, yeah. So it's it's it, it works in a sort of um, a pyramid structure. So you'll have more
0: right. artists than soloists and principals. Right. I come back to later around the dynamic of the individual nature of you being a dancer and in a team, but I don't want to jump the gun on where my head's going. But, um, so you had to work your way though from just attending the school. You then took a role, I think, in the in Birmingham. Yes, and that was as a soloist, as it initially. You were at no, sort of the lower end of the pyramid, or
1: so. Um, from the Royal Ballet School, when I graduated, um, I was offered a job with the Birmingham Royal Ballet um, as an artist. So I, I joined at uh, you know the very bottom of the that's pyramid that's the bottom of the pyramid sorry yeah, yeah. Um, and that's traditionally where people will will join Got out the of strongs. school yeah i mean there have been the very occasional um, uh, example of someone going from the school into a soldier's position but that's very very rare because you're totally unproven yeah, you know, yeah. there's being good as a student but it's just you know uh, being different as uh, or being good as a professional is a completely different thing for sure so um i joined the company uh, as an artist um got opportunities to perform a sort of range of variety of different roles quite quickly um and was promoted of back to back um on two years and so within two years i was a soloist uh, in birmingham royal ballet um and that was a mixture of um the right opportunities coming up at the right time for me and me being able to to prove that i could do them
0: Right, right. Well, I did, I watched, there's a great Australian story episode. I'm going to link to this later. It's called A Leap of Faith, I think. And it's mm-hmm. about yourself and Steve McRae, who's a fellow Australian principal. Um, but my favourite character in the whole thing is your grandmother, because I think she has some amazing insights. And we'll get to the, the best insight later on. But she mentions one around, got to be somewhere, but something about when you were a young boy that uh, you were always the one to do the extra, whether it was required of you or not, you were there doing the hard work. So I think she placed your future success down to that has that been the case though for you you've always been one of the, of the dancers that prides himself on the hard work and the discipline
1: yeah certainly um, I, don't, I don't remember that you know as a young kid um, doing extra stuff um, I think one of the things that was great for me is that whether it was ballet or cricket or football you know the other interests that I had um, because I enjoyed them I didn't mind doing right. them over and over again Um and I, I think I was. it was explained to me from quite a young age that in order to be able to do something well, you have to be able to do you know, the basics well. Um, that's probably from having my grandmother, who was a ballet teacher mm. as I was growing up, also dad being a cricket coach. Um, I, they, they, I, I suppose I understood that working on the foundation, the basics, and being really good at them required a lot of time, and... Um, and, and so I was happy to do that because I always thought, well, that's what you've got to do. If yeah. you want to be good,
0: That that's it. And do you think that mindset has helped you climb the ranks of the bottom of that pyramid to where you are today?
1: Certainly. I think that sort of work ethic um, has helped me. Um, I think that dancers, they generally... Certainly, professionals and, and people who want to get into the Royal Ballet or people who get into the Royal Ballet School understand that you know um, dancers are really good. I think at repeating things and and becoming incredibly efficient at you know the movements that, they, that we have to do. Um, repetition is something that we do a lot of. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it definitely has helped.
0: Right. Well, actually, speaking of the research I've done, I, I you tweeted an article recently. Uh, it was from The Observer, and I can't remember the title of it. I don't know if... It's quite a long title. It's, right it's a leave. very long title. It'll come to me later on. But it was really interesting because it was about the whole idea that the art of ballet and dance is now being matched with the science of, I guess, sport probably really is where a lot of it's coming from, uh, and that sports science and the mix. Uh, what have you found that's changed over the last 16 years in that regard?
1: I think the understanding of, um, of what we do... Um... Ourselves and you know, throughout training and performance, um, on, a, on a, from a science um perspective, is much much better than um what it was certainly when I was training. Yeah. Um, I think when I was in the Royal Ballet School and, and started my professional career, there, there was understanding and there was a real um focus on, on using training outside of the studio, say in the gym, you know, strength based stuff as um a way of preventing injury mm. uh, so they'd identify weaknesses and, and try to, to safeguard your body for the for rigors of the professional um, workload. Yeah. I think what's changed now is that that's sort of universally accepted that that, that sort of um, training and that pre- prevention of injury is, is basic. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone will do that now uh, coming through the school, into the company. But what's, I think, improved and changed is that we're now looking at how we can improve performance. Um, in ballet, for instance, guys will do a lot of lifting, a lot of jumping. Um, there's obviously a lot of agility required from both male and female. Um, That's an understatement. Well, <laughs> having no, 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 seen what you guys can do. <laughs> yeah, there, there is. And I think we're looking at ways that training can supplement you right. know, all the stuff that we built up. Uh, training to become a ballet dancer, and actually improve performance. And that, for me, over the last few years, has been something that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, because that's something I, I, I can feel when I'm on stage. I know that you know certain um, exercises that have been done, or certainly um, you know fitness training. That that is something that I hadn't really done, and a lot of over, certainly until about three or four years ago. You now on the road doing all that stuff. Um, feeling terrible, because that's... That's, 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 that's that, the worst that machine
0: in the world. It, it is. Ugo, the rower.
1: But it, but it works. Oh, you yeah. um, can't we, hide. No, you can't. <laughs> but, but you can't hide on stage either. Um, you know, there are a lot of lights. <laughs> There's yeah. not a lot of dark spots on there. Everyone's and, looking at you too. Well, that, and that's the hope. That's what you want. Mm. Um, but I, I have a really good example of, you know, um, of, of the... The feeling that it gave me, the confidence that it gave me, having done all that training. There's a, a piece uh, that we did, uh, which is La Magade. Um and the male role in that was quite taxing um, from cardiovascular standpoint. And I, before I started doing that training three or four years ago, I'd done the role and it was a nightmare. Um, I did it, and I think I did it reasonably well, um, but, but I, I, I well I suffered, and I also had a real um, sort of moments mentally. Whilst I was doing it, I was thinking, am I going to get through this? Can I do my best? Do I have to actually maybe reserve some energy at this point to be able to do the end? Wow. Um, and then just because I was introduced to you know, different training and, and got on the rower and started all this, um, we re- revisited that ballet maybe three or four years later. And having done all that training, I started rehearsing, thinking, oh, God, this is going to be hard. And whilst it still was hard and it still hurt, I didn't have the fear... Of not being able to get through it or I mean, well, maybe I have to just dial it back here to eighty percent so that I can get to the end. I was able to push the whole way through, and so I think you know that my performance must have been better um, just just by doing that. So that that was That's really exciting up. for me.
0: Yeah. So has there been any pushback behind from the? I guess um, this might not be the right term, but the old school who see ballet as more of an art where you actually happen to be doing athletic feats versus what it seems more like you guys are now athletes. We're combining your artistry. Is 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 it a balancing act, or do you see them see them as one and the same? Or
1: personally, I, I see it as one as the same, mm. one and the same. Um, I I've um, been a sports fan all my life. I've been um, you know uh, around sporting environments a lot, so I, I know what how people train and and I like that. I I've, I've always wanted to do it myself, so <laughs> I I don't mind marrying the two at all. But certainly, there has been. Um, some challenges uh, culturally, I think, um, you know, changing the way people have trained for, you know, for 20 years is not going to be easy. Yeah. Um, so Especially yeah. so, the
0: so teachers <coughs> trained one way, performed one day, became teachers one way, and now you're telling them there's another way to do it. That must be difficult for them.
1: It, it is. Um, and I think it it's, it's not quite there yet. Um, it's taking time. But uh, I think more and more as people see the benefits and people experience the benefits themselves... Mm. Um, I don't think there can be any argument that it's it's not a good thing um, so I think we, we will get there but it is taking a little bit of time
0: I was reading that same article I think it was was talking about and they probably quoted the, the dancers names but one of the the girls who've been on long term injury and basically it was either deadlifting or squatting well over twice her body weight, which mm. power to weight ratio is far over basically any male power athlete that we'd think of, like an NFL linebacker or a, a rugby front rower. Yeah. Um, so the power that you guys are now obviously starting to build in your legs, which complements no doubt the power you already had, will that will that result in bigger movements? And I, don't, I, can't, I haven't watched enough ballet, but higher leaps and more spins and throws for sure, and for
1: sure it'll be it'll be. Um you know faster changes of direction it'll be so which is more brilliant to watch um and yes higher leaps uh definitely um more impressive lifts um Mm -hmm. that i i I imagine there'll be all sorts of opportunities um that come from that but yeah the very basic will be the movements will be done um with even more control more speed um and more height which i think is pretty fascinating to watch
0: oh for sure And it's funny, too, because, I mean, as an AFL player and now working with some different sports over here and in the States, there's one thing from ballet that has resonated, I think, or has become a big fundamental part in modern day sport. And that's actually Pilates, because from what I understand, Pilates was developed in France from a lady that worked, I don't know, was a ballerina or was working with them, but it's the core strength and... The fact that she realised that to be a great dancer you had to have great core strength. Now we realise that's just the fundamental for all these other sports that we play. So it's funny now that it seems to be going back the other way. But well, you guys I think the forefront.
1: What, what we've learnt. I think um, a lot of ballet dancers like Pilates because it's a very similar way of working. Um, it attacks um, you know the same sort of muscle groups, um, and it's I think a really Useful way of say um, you know coming back from a long term injury if you haven't um, you know been able to do certain yeah. movements for a long time. That's a really good way of you know starting up you know yeah. using turnout muscles things yeah. like that, which you know not a natural um, sort of day to day thing to do. It's a lot of muscles
0: that I didn't even know I had when I did Pilates. <laughs> exactly,
1: but dancers will be using that every day. So if yeah. they've been off for a long period of time, then Pilates is a good way of re, you know sort of reconnecting with that. Um, in a often you know low-weight-bearing or Mm. non-weight-bearing way. Um, I think what I've found um, is that Pilates, in that context for ballet dancers, is great, but when you're doing class and rehearsals and using all those muscles all the time, Pilates is, I think it's more of the same.
0: Yeah, Yeah,
1: okay. And so how much more improvement are you getting? Because, you know, as you know... To get more strength, you need to target different areas. You yeah. need to you need to challenge yourself, or push to a higher and push level. to a higher level. Exactly, yeah. so that's where I think. Um, you know, the strength based training that we've now adopted in the gym, yeah, yeah. I think is having a, um, a bigger impact because it is challenging us in a, it's that a next different, level.
0: exactly. You guys invented Pilates, you've na- nailed it, now you've gone to the next That's day. it, yeah. <laughs> so what, is, what does a day look like in, I mean, what's, what's one of your typical, you're in your holidays at the moment, we can chat mm. about that later, but yeah. when you're in Caesar in training, what does a typical day look like for you?
1: So uh, I'll give you hey, a, a, a long day. Yeah. Um, a long day starts with um, so morning ballet class at 9.30 in the morning, and that'll be an hour and 15 minutes long, and that's a series of um, exercises um, that are set out in pretty much the same way. This is what get. if we were to
0: picture a typical ballet class when you picture little kids doing it that we would sort of visualise.
1: You do your plies, your tendus, you're holding the bar. Stretching um, a
0: little lift. Um, Squatting yes. that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and oh, uh, that's every
1: day. Every day. Every day um, before rehearsals. Um, and then we'll rehearse, say, from uh, about 11 o'clock uh, through till 5.30. We, we have some breaks in there. Or um,
0: physical rehearsal?
1: Yes, <coughs> often. Um, wow. So because the, the, at the Royal Ballet we do up to 13, 14 different productions in a year, we'll often, in a day, rehearse two or three different ballets um, so at eleven o'clock till one o'clock you might be rehearsing Don Quixote and then, you know, for after lunch from two till four you'll rehearse A New Creation by Wayne McGregor. Um, have another little break and then four thirty to five thirty will be oh, I don't know, it could be anything, Sleeping Beauty or something, you know, the little solo that you're doing in that. And then five thirty we finish. Um and we'll have a two hour break, have something to eat, do our makeup and you're on stage at seven thirty. Uh, for a show
0: so tell like you have a training day on the same day as effectively as your competition day
1: yes yeah and And that's just um, the
0: norm I'm sitting here shocked because as a footballer if you played on a Saturday night my day of was maybe walking in some water walk around to get a coffee definitely have a nap lots of eating and lots of hydrating staying off legs and here you guys are doing five hours of training and then performing
1: yeah it's um I think that's one of the biggest uh, issues that um, we're faced at the moment with the, the science-based, mm. um, you know, sports scientists coming in, looking at that, going, hang on, yeah. H- yeah. How, how are you hitting peak performance yeah. there? Um, to be fair, when, as a principal, uh, if you were taking on the lead in a big, you know, ballet that night, they do try and limit your rehearsals for the day, but yeah. for the core or the soloist, anyone else, they're, they're in there all the time. That That is obviously, you know, the, one of the hardest days that we would have. It's not always no, it's, like yeah, that, but, still. but often it can be like that. Um, so even as I uh, highlighted that day, um, we don't have time set in our day for going to the gym or doing Pilates. Yeah. So that is off our own back so say for instance i have a slightly easier day and i've got a, a two-hour break you know say from two to four where i'm not rehearsing that would be the time that i would say right i'm going to book in with one of our sports scientists and work out for an hour or that'll be the day all uh, the time that i'll go in and see the, the pilates instructor so that can be tricky yeah. you know i i've i've been um you know really proactive at trying to set You know, programs um, with the sports scientists for the entire season. Yeah, Yeah, but unfortunately, we're not always able to to know for certain that I will uh, four times a week have at least forty five minutes each day. I, I, I can't absolutely be sure of that. Um, if I want to make sure that I have lunch, that
0: is. Uh, <laughs> because remember we were trying to catch up and you said you get, I think you get your schedule on a Friday for the next week. Yes, so, yeah. That's we, as long advance notice as you get, is one week and even then... Yeah, so we get we
1: ruined. get our schedule Friday around about noon uh, for the following week, but there can be changes um, up till, you know, the, the, the day before. Um, so it, it's a little bit tricky to, to really sort of formulate a program, mm-hmm. you know, and say, right, I want to do four times a week and I want to do... Um, 45 minute or an hour session um for the next say six weeks because the schedule might come out and you go
0: i can only do two
1: or i can only do three
0: because you might be setting a goal for example let's say you want to squat certain or you want to get your vertical leap to be high you'd set that goal work back from how you were going to do that create the process yeah but finding the time is the challenging part not the desire or anything like that yeah that, that can be the biggest challenge um what about recovery so you got if you're performing and constantly training and then you're slotting in that little bit of time goes to I want to get my legs stronger I'm going to get my core stronger I'm going to do you get time for massage do you guys do recovery based sessions in water or like we see of athletes doing
1: the, all, all of the, the training that we do outside of class and rehearsals is sort of set by ourselves there are Provisions there. We do have access to masseurs, for instance, but it's all stuff that we have to organise in the time that we may or may not have. So
0: there's not structured sessions for where you guys will get together morning after rehearsal and go walk in the pool like we'd see.
1: <laughs> no, the, the the recovery session is often um, class the next day, and and that's down to the individual dancer. You yeah. know um, how they approach class. Um, and, and, and you can definitely I've certainly found that over the course of my career you can approach class in different ways and you can use it as a recovery session to make right. sure that everything's working so in back and alignment. yeah or you can say right actually I've, I've not had a performance for a while and I've got a bit of a, a time where I can really push and use class as a way of really challenging yourself and trying to um you know improve certain technical elements or mm-hmm. even just you know doing exercises back to back to challenge your your system a little bit more um but that again it's it's all off your own back really
0: right. um, comes back a lot to what your grandma said about you and you were younger as an individual who isn't driven in your world it doesn't sound like they would survive you could it doesn't sound in like on holding your hand like in our world you really you couldn't avoid the hard work because there were so many not just sports science guys but coaches rehab coaches, strength and conditioning guys the football coaches everyone was constantly watching monitoring tracking yeah. So you had to do it if. If in your world you didn't have that drive, you just wouldn't develop, would you? Well,
1: well, you you do have... You you, you have to work hard because the sheer amount of um, hours that are expected in rehearsals, Mm. for instance. So people will... The the, the basic level is still working hard, but there is another level. um, And that, I think, is what most of the top dancers will be operating at. um, And that's something that I have learnt, is that... The, the the minimum that we do is is hard yes certainly and you know you look around around the world and you go yep we, we're hard working people yeah. but the top people in our profession they work
0: exceptionally hard and they do the extras right um, is like if you go around on the tells at Wimbledon the other week watching a, a friend's partner play and uh just hearing again the different levels, and of course there's different pay levels, and you've got a straight ranking system. It's quite linear if you look at it that way. But mm. it does seem that those at the very top, maybe there are some some attributes, but the stories you hear from the players on the circuit that your Rafa or your Roger Federer, they are at that next level that for them nearly seems impossible. But I guess that's what separates the best, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So have you had to do? Have you dealt with many injuries yourself? Because I'm now thinking, well, what happens if you? roll your ankle and you've got to perform that night and you're out for a week. You guys must get injured. What's what's your track record been like? Not, not too bad, actually. Um, touch wood. Touch wood. I'm, <laughs> I'm leaning on it, actually. <laughs> Never let go. Yeah,
1: um, yeah not bad. I, I, I had a, quite a bad injury when I was at school. Um, in the last year of my uh, training, I was out for about six months. Um, and that was um, really from overwork and not... Um, treating injury properly right. as it started um and i ended up with um an incomplete an incomplete stre- stress god let me try that again <laughs> i ended up with an incomplete stress fracture of my pubic bone um so osteitis pubis which is oh, traditionally yeah, osteo- a, yeah, oh, it's, sucks. yeah it's yeah it's it's yeah. very uncomfortable um and it is it's traditionally needles
0: in there and everything uh, trying to treat it. it's a horrible t-
1: treatment was <laughs> uncomfortable for oh. a number of reasons um <laughs> I remember also uh, going to the doctors with mum because I was, uh, I think I was seventeen. Was this at back the time. in Sydney or here? This was when I was back in Sydney, actually. Yeah. Um, seeing it was a consultant who, you know, um, sent me for scans and all that stuff. And anyway, mum was in there, and he was like, "Okay, so let's have a look." And you know, as you know, it's quite a it's um, in tough area to get to. And <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, "Mum, can you just get out?" <laughs> <"Mom, I'm>, <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, that that was um, quite a long period of time yeah. off at, at a very sort of um, crucial time in the training as well because that You were here at that point, were you? With I was one. here, So you gone yeah. home for
0: basically for treatment for rehab. Well,
1: it, it happened at the end of my second year. Um, so we had our summer holidays. So I went yeah. home to catch up with the family and I was walking around um, and I think mum or dad was like, are you all right? And I said, yeah. oh, it's just still giving me a bit of grief. Nichols, doesn't it? Well, I was hoping that it would clear up you know because we had five weeks off and you know and usually things subside but it, it just you know even getting out of the car was a real pain um so we you know explored a little bit further and found that it was a bit more serious than I would certainly let on and um yeah six months six months out so that was probably the longest well it, absolutely it was the longest period of time I've had out um but I think it, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing to have happened because I realized that I wanted to take control of my own training and my own body, and, and I've realized that if I don't, then, uh, you know, it, it, that's it. That's the if, if it breaks the... down, then that's it. You can't do anything else. So, yeah, right. um, you know, I, I, I think because, unfortunately, I had a, you know, poor um, experience in terms of advice, um, you know, managing the injury or working through the injury rather than maybe treating the injury from the get-go... Yeah. I thought, I don't want to go through this again. So I, I did a lot of reading. Um, I, I, I think I probably just tried to arm myself with a bit more information and knowledge um, about training and just you know bodies in general and because I had access to um, sporting environments and you know, even just through Dad, um, how people train and, and, and approaches to training. So um, I think that was the beginning of my... Um, maybe adaption a different uh, way or approach to, to how I was going to to work. Mm,
0: and condition your body. Yeah. It is a challenge, I mean, working with young footballers over here versus I remember when I was a kid where I was 16, 17, got drafted at 17, it was always just they flogged you. That's what it is. You were the yeah. young guy. You were going to get pushed to the absolute limits. And if you got injured, you learned as much as they learned what your boundaries were. And then from there you would go, okay, if I'm feeling that, that kind of soreness in my hip, I need to be mindful because that might be this or whatever it might be. What I find now is it's kind of the opposite. Everyone's so well read and re- or understands the issue around overuse injuries mm. and all different kinds of injuries. They're very reluctant. The younger are very reluctant to push to those edges, and I, yeah. I, I, you don't want to see guys get injured. But like you said, there is a real learning curve out of going through. In your like you just said, maybe someone not listening t- to your body and then trusting that you're well physical welfare in the hands of someone else because they're the expert but then realizing no, wait a minute i need to be in charge but mm. also knowing what that workload is there's certainly a fine line isn't there around taking control re- taking risks listening to other people and not all that yeah
1: it's 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 a huge challenge um and it's something that i i, I think will certainly in the ballet world will be having to to face because you know, with injuries and stuff and overwork, it, it's it's often down to the individual and and um, you know the feedback that they're giving. You know, how do you feel today? I feel a little bit tired. But you know, as you know, there are people who would never say that they feel tired yeah. because they might see that as a sign of weakness, or they feel like you know they might miss out on the opportunity to play that weekend or get picked for the next role. And then you might have other characters who say they feel tired because they know that they you know, might get get a morning off well exactly so that then opens up a whole other you
0: know um, yeah but again, you don't climb to the top of the pyramid if you're taking the shortcuts do you I, I don't think so no, no. Um,
1: well, you might get there for a, a very short period of time and then um, you know, I'll be able to sustain it because that's I think the real challenge
0: definitely so that's a lot around the, the physical side of that. I mean, that's uh, fascinating. I'm mean, going to pay a lot more attention to, to how you guys train. Maybe <laughs> steal a few things. I'm training for a marathon at the moment. I need Ooh. to toughen up my quads. <laughs> um, but what about the mental side? What are some of the mental challenges that dancers have to deal with? I mean, performance anxiety, for one, must be something, given that it's your job to perform these amazing, not just physical feats, but pieces of art that the expectation is is really high that you do it to the, the highest caliber that has been done before there's so many different contexts mm-hmm. that i don't see in sport because i don't compare a game of football to another game of football per se and it's always going to be different so yeah what are some of the, some of the challenges you guys deal with well, uh, yeah,
1: performance anxiety is is a good one, um, and they, it, it, like you say, it can come in all sorts of different forms. I quite like being on stage. Um, I enjoy that. I, they, just before I go on, I think, oh God, what do I do? This you know, <laughs> this is going to be scary or whatever. But once I get on, uh, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. I love yeah. it. But you touched upon, you know, the fact that you might be compared to, you know, other performances that have been done. For instance, you know, ballet we recently redid, had a production that had run for 30 years and had a huge array of really famous dancers that had, you know, tackled the the main role. Um, And you coming up, doing it for the first time, thinking, oh, Mikhail Baryshnikov did this. Rudolf Nureyev did this. There are, and there are still people around who have seen those performances. The I'm going to be I'm going to be compared to these people. Oh my gosh! You know how how, how am I going to handle that? Um, and that I think I struggled with a little bit more than anything else. Actually, um, wanting to live up to expectations and and, and you know I, don't know I suppose uphold the the um, traditions of the of that role. You know, yeah. Make sure that it's you know being looked after. Um. But I, I, I do enjoy performing, so I don't have a huge amount of performance anxiety. I think some people do, um, and I think a huge part of that is actually in our training. Certainly, the Royal Ballet School. Anyhow, we didn't do a lot of performing. Um, a lot. Oh, really? Of, yeah, yeah. So I, when you I, were I was 16, surprised. Seventeen
0: at school, it was what we would call just training. Just training. Um, no and, playing games. No, I say. no, I,
1: and I I found that really strange because in australia growing up we would do um competitions they call them steadfords um and so at least you know two or three times a year you would go out and do you know one or two different solos you might be involved in group pieces in front so you, of audience in front of so. audience you know mums and dads who've come along to support there, audience. There, there are a lot of um open newspapers on the sunday <laughs> <laughs> from, the, from the dads i think going through the um sports pages um, but you know, it was, it was being on stage and, and preparing for something and then and yeah. performing it, um, and learning to make a mistake and that, that, and how you do with it. it. Yeah. And also most of those, uh, competitions were, um, you had the, uh, capacity to have them filmed. So you, you know, someone would sit there, you'd take your you know, videotape over and they'd film it and you'd go back and you'd watch it. And or that was part of the fun, I suppose. But also now when I look back at it. I had quite a realistic idea of what I looked like um, as a dancer from a very young age, and I saw that develop, and I was able to go, oh, actually, from last year, that didn't improve as much as I thought, or I thought I was jumping much higher. Yeah. It was you know, a bit of a, a reality check, I suppose, um, and that was something that I was amazed at when I got to the Royal Ballet School. A lot of the, the students that I joined up in their year group a lot of them had never performed a solo on stage before in their life they might have been on stage in a group number but maybe once they i think most of my year none of them had seen a video of themselves dancing and uh, i remember being in the second year of the royal Ballet school and our teacher decided for our solos lesson to film us all and then in the next day rather than do it all again which is what we normally do we we, we thrash things out we do it you know, 150,000 times over and over again it's repetition yeah that's it that's how that's how we work um and he said, no, we'll, we'll, we'll do it and then we'll sit down on, I don't know, a day or so later and we'll all sit down, watch it and we'll, you know, be able to see. Yeah, well, and, and also I think it was a way of, for him to um, back up some of the, the feedback that he was giving us. You know, I think that's one of the, can be a frustration of coaches and teachers, you know, you keep giving the same feedback to the students or the... The, the
0: behavior doesn't
1: change. But it, or they, maybe you just don't understand, you know, why... why a, would I do that? You know, I'm doing it fine. Mm. Anyway, I, I remember <laughs> it was just carnage when we sat down and watched it. There were tears, there were tantrums. Um, there, was, there were people who would just flat out almost refuse that that was them. They were like, that can't be me. That's not what I did. Um, but it was a, what it was was a huge disconnect between what they thought they were doing yeah. and the reality. Even though you're
0: looking in a mirror 24-7, you go, don't you perform <laughs> often in front of? We,
1: we, but- we do work with mirrors, but when you're in motion...
0: It's different isn't you it? know some of
1: the and, and in solos male solos particularly you'll spend a lot of time turning so you can't see what you're doing you don't know the shape you are in the air yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you can't see everything it's all it's all motion so wow. Yeah, that was that was a really, I because I got to mine and I watched it and I was like, yeah, fair enough. I, I, I yeah, I could have done that better. That was what. I, oh, that was a little bit better than I thought it might be. But I had a much more, I think, realistic expectation of what I was going to look like because I'd been exposed to watching back, you know, um, performances from the age of say eight or nine years of age. Um, Have they
0: changed that now? Would they...
1: I don't You said you were
0: at no. the school this
1: week, right? weren't yeah, you? What Yeah, last week when we were doing that, we didn't do any video stuff. I think probably it has changed, even if it weren't sort of structured... Um, You know, in in classes, because, you know, we now all have um, video phones and stuff, it's a great way to do it. You just prop it up, you watch yourself do, you know, 30 seconds or something, you watch it, see how it goes, change it. So I think it's much more readily accessible, so I I suspect people have, you know, more opportunity to do it and have a more realistic expectation of what they they might look like. Mm. Um, But I'm not sure whether it is... um, sort of fully implemented as part of a, like a, a teaching strategy or a coaching strategy, um, and is definitely something that I would look to implement myself if I were in charge of a school or in a company.
0: Yeah, well, just think, again, the, the, hopefully the people listening in, a lot of them will be young aspiring performers. It doesn't even matter what your industry or your art form or your sport is. Taking that as just a principle in general of don't be in denial. If you're afraid you haven't got a great technique on your serve in tennis... Get someone to film you. Sit down with an expert, or just someone who's a bit played longer than you, and just face up to it. Because it's 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 more daunting, worrying about what you might not be good at than it is actually acknowledging what it is, and then going back and working on it. If you yeah. hide away from it, you never overcome it. Exactly. Um,
1: and I think people who are involved in um, a sport or an art that they've you know, been working on or working towards for a long time, if they're able to to sit and watch other people and say, well, that need, you know their arm needs to be higher, or they need to be hitting the ball at a certain point. Um, it, I think it's, it is important to be able to do the same with yourself um, because not if, easy, it's not as easy it's not as easy but if, if you know if you've spent I don't know 10, 15 years in and around um, an environment or a, a particular sport you're going to have developed a lot of knowledge Yeah. Um, and you know we all sit down and watch the TV we all see oh well you know, Ronaldo should have hit the ball like that rather than like that should you know we, but we, we, you, you can, you can see it see a experts I mean. <laughs> Exactly. And if you can turn it around on yourself, um, like you say, it's not always that easy, but it can be hugely beneficial.
0: It's quite funny because I, uh, I listen to these podcasts because I then mix them together and I But the thing, I do a lot of talks, and, and you and I have spoken about this before, and hopefully we'll get you amongst it. Uh, and I never go back and listen, or even if I have recorded my talks in front of groups. I always think it's because, no, nah, no, nah, that's fine, I, I know I did a good job, but I full well know there would be things that if I watched it, I'd be hanging my head going, like <laughs> don't do that. But even here I am preaching, what, or at least buying into what you're preaching, yeah. and uh, I know I need to do it myself. And I know, having done some work in the corporate world when I was living in Canada, there are a lot of people who either run meetings, give presentations, sales calls, who I reckon if they were just to put their phone on record while they're on that sales call and go back and listen, they would pick up on things that they could improve on. That's what it is, isn't it? Like you talking about, ballet's a lot about repetition. It's not repetition for the sake of repetition. It's just those incremental gains, getting a little, yeah. little bit better every day. That's what makes you excellent later on. Mm-hmm. And that's across all, I think, all skill building. Yeah, absolutely. I have to be more accountable now. You can hold me <laughs> to that. <laughs> more talks. <laughs> um, so before you, when you're on stage, you get into... I guess that, that flow state or whatever, you're in the zone. But when you are nervous beforehand, what have you learned, maybe more so when you were younger and probably a little bit more nervous and didn't necessarily make the connection that when you stepped out, that anxiety would dissipate? Did you ever have like a routine or a, uh, a process, maybe mental process or whatever that would help you deal with that pre-performance nerves?
1: I think actually it's something that I, I learned more about myself as I got a bit older, mm-hmm. um, is that... I, I, I liked being able to look back um, at the process of you know, working towards the performance and being able to say, yes, I did everything I could to be in the best place, and the best shape possible mm-hmm. for a performance. Because what I don't like is coming off stage and it hasn't happened a lot, but there were a couple of times um, where I'd come off stage and I'd have a think about the show and I think that, that didn't go as well as it could have and when i look back on the preparation i thought hmm, i maybe should have done a little bit more um, or i could have worked smarter or i could have maybe raised concerns about you know the way we were rehearsing or you know, who i was working with i, di- I didn't like the feeling that th- there was perhaps something i could have done to to help that um yeah. and so that's now really what i i focus on um that 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 I think it allows me to, to remain motivated as well throughout a long rehearsal period. Knowing um, that knowing this that, work will help. Yeah, when when I get to that 15 minutes before I'm on stage where I'm thinking, oh, I'd rather be anywhere <laughs> than here. I just want to be at home with my on feet On the put me on the rower. <laughs> oh, why, why do I do this? Um, I can think and look back and go, no, you've done all you can. Um, yeah. And actually the next step to that was, you know, a, a accepting mm. different situations and realising that, not every performance you're going to be at absolute peak condition, mm-hmm. um, because you know there might be a variety of different reasons for that. You might have had a change in partner. You might have had, I don't know, an change illness coming body. up. So that you might, exactly. Um, but have I done? You know, have I made sure that I've done all the right things? Have I eaten mm-hmm. properly? Have I you know made made sure or made the effort to get you know the right amount of sleep? You know, basic things like that. Um, you know, and it might be something like you know leaving a function early. Um, a birthday party early, you know, to yeah. make sure that you get that sleep, even though you're having a really good time and everything feels great, knowing that in a few days' time you're gonna have to be up there and facing yourself when you get off stage and going, no, that didn't go as well as it it could have. Yeah. Um, that's they're the sort of things that I, um, you know, realised and 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 try to put in place now um, to avoid that disappointment. You know, there there of course there are performances where I come off and go, you know, that wasn't as good as maybe the last time or you know, I feel like I could have done that better but that happens that's, that's live, yeah. live performance um, but knowing that I've, I've um, prepared as well as I could and done all the right things that, that helps a huge amount
0: well I think that's it's such profound advice because again it, it correlates across all different things and I don't, I don't know what the quote is but there is a, a famous quote around there's nothing, that, um, there's nothing that builds confidence like taking action when I, you talk about this resilience space, if you go and talk to young people around, oh, you, you want to be confident, you want to be happy, and you know, all that kind of stuff, there's no shortcuts to that. If you want to mm. be a great athlete, a great dancer, it's, you, there's no mental tricks that are going to help you get there. It really does come down to that that foundation of action. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of the sports psychology literature is actually based on that as well you to measure people, athletes, uh, anxiety levels, they tend to be quite directly correlated with how adequately they feel they're prepared, which makes a lot of sense, yeah. and yet we can often take shortcuts. So I think it's a maturity thing as well, but at least if you're a young person and you get told that again and again, slowly that maturity will come. I guess that's all part of it. Yeah. What about in performance? I don't know if you've ever had any big dramatic mistakes or falls or whatever, but how do you deal with Well, first of all, have you had any clangers on, on stage? I Not really.
1: Um I'm pretty sort of steady as a performer. I'm pretty consistent, which is something that I you know take a lot of pride in, yeah. um, and steady on my feet. So not you got out, monster quads, not out, <laughs> so not, not out of not out of control very often. Um, but there, there was a performance a few maybe t- three years ago. Um, we were doing a triple build, so three different pieces, and I was involved in two of them. And um, I fell down in the first one. Just had a slip and went down. And I thought, oh. Jeez, that's that was a shock, and I think because I just never really um, experienced that.
0: You've never fallen before.
1: Not on stage. Oh, wow. in a performance. You know, in
0: rehearsals. It's like sure. ten years into your career.
1: Yeah, um, maybe I wasn't pushing myself hard enough. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was in I was in such a state of shock. I just sort of lay there for a bit and then thought, oh, geez, I have to get up. Um, and that's not Astinian. Yeah. Well, geez, Make off I great. went. Um, and then the uh, the next piece. Uh, Again, I, I had a slip, and this this was um, I sort of stepped on some tape, and I just slipped, and I went down, and I just thought it's not my night. This is it. It's yeah. just not my night. I, I some people were like, oh god, are you okay? You know, mentally, are you going to be able to cope with that? And I just thought time for a beer. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. Can't be helped. And if you're going to do it, might as well do it all in one show and um, get it out of the road. Um, but no, I, don't, I, I haven't really had any massive, um, massively
0: traumatic experiences anyway. Um, right. So you probably can't offer much as far as how to overcome them in the heat of the battle, but maybe well, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> it's do exactly what you did. Don't overthink it. Oh, I slipped on tape. Guess yeah, that's, not.
1: that, that that's... sort of stuff. I mean, there have definitely been um, moments, um, you know, that haven't gone quite right, you know, big lifts and stuff, um, haven't come off as they should have, but because you, know, you rehearsed so much and prepared well, You've you've done that mm. in the studio. You know how to deal with it. I think the scariest thing is when you when something happens that you've never done before. Say for instance, when I slipped and went down. I was like Geez, I don't know what to do. I've never done this before. Um, and... But because I think we 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 do a lot of repetition in rehearsals. There's there's not a lot that you haven't covered in terms of what's what could potentially go wrong. Um, just so because, I don't because have to you are
0: that. kind of working to a script, aren't you? Unlike if in a cricket game, yeah, okay, you rep, you. Repeat play, playing cover drives or back foot blocks or whatever, but in a game the bowler well, isn't going to the script, so there's always <laughs> going to be unpredictability. Whereas you guys, if something falls, you can reconnect back to where the script is going. Is yes, that fair? exactly.
1: That, that that makes sense. Um... And you're probably hoping that uh, all the people are on stage would be sort of your teammates rather than opponents. <laughs> there, there's no fast bowler coming out you trying to knock your head off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you're all trying to work together, um, hopefully. So that would be the difference, is there's no opponent trying to knock you off um, whilst you are performing, you know, a skill at a high level. Yeah. Um, but... You know, there are, there are challenges with working with partners and stuff because, you know, things happen and, and people respond to different things differently. So, yeah. That's, well, yeah, that's
0: something I was going to ask about later, but I'll, I'll take the tangent now. I, I look at dance, I guess, or maybe because we've met, and when I go and I watch any kind of performance, and again, I haven't watched a huge amount of ballet, but I watch one person, or if there is a partner, I watch them, but I do see it as indi- an individual sport or performance, but really, you guys are a team as well. But if you look at tennis, purely individual, Aussie rules, 44 guys on a list, only 22 play, but it's seen inherently as a team game. Mm. In the corporate world, you'll hear people say, well, I like the fact that you're talking about culture and team, but really we're competing against each other for Mm. sales. But that's the same in the Aussie rules world, because I might be working directly with one of my mates who's another midfielder, and he's vying for my spot, which I have right now, but we both inherently want each other to do well because it helps the team where do you guys feel in that sort of spectrum because you're kind of competing for either that principle that someone might want to knock you off as principal or maybe it's for a certain role uh how's the team dynamic work
1: it's yeah similar i suppose in in say afl where you've got a big group and only 22 are going to get selected um you know casting's the same as selection you know if someone's going to say right you're up you're not um and it could be your friend you're up against. It could be someone you don't like. I mean, it's a group dynamic. There are a hundred dancers, so
0: and you're together every day, though, aren't you?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, so it's it's an interesting one because, yes, especially you know the, the big group dancers um, and productions. Everyone has to work together. You know, the core. What makes you know the core work so well? what looks so impressive is when everyone is pulling Mm. in the same direction everyone's moving at the same time everyone's arms are at the same height everyone's jumping at the same time that is absolutely working in a team where it gets tricky is that in order to progress through the company in order to move from say an artist to a soloist to then a principal you have to demonstrate something that, that highlights about. you as someone that they want to give an opportunity to, mm. you know, to maybe step forward and do a solo rather than just stay in the group. And that's really hard because what you'll often hear is in a, in a group rehearsal for the choir, they say, you know, all work together, make sure that there's no one standing out, we all want uniformity, and that's what makes us great. But then when you have a, a conversation with your artistic director or ballet staff, they'll say, we want to see something special about you." You know, oh, that person has the X factor. And you're like, yeah, what that person has is half beat timing wrong. Like that's, why, <laughs> that's why you're noticing them. Um, so often you'll have sort of counterproductive um, uh, feedback, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, two different things you're trying to achieve uh, whilst performing at the same time. So that's a challenge. Um,
0: but overall, it feel you would say you feel like you work in a team day to day? Are you different too because you're tending to do individual roles or with a partner? That takes you out of that yeah, piece of it, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: as a principal, you do a lot of your rehearsals on your own and separate from the group, and then at the very sort of last um, moment, you know, maybe the week before the performances, it all comes together. Yeah, right. But you, you, you can rehearse your own elements uh, away from the group. So it's it, it, it that that feels very different than when I was in uh, the core or as a soloist. Um, but when it comes to to show time, there is definitely a, a team feel, and and I think everyone, and if not everyone, then the majority of people, understand that the the whole show being good benefits everyone, you know. And and mm-hmm. and if you're not pulling you know towards that making that happen
0: then that's you're doing a disservice to yourself as well as everyone else so i imagine those kinds of people get found out and moved on to other places is that fair you'd hope so (laughs) i guess you're creating the right culture if you're creating that team dynamic or whatever then they stay and if it's if it's not quite right you might i think that's yeah that would be the aim yeah definitely Okay, well, back onto the line that I was thinking about. I was listening to you quite funny uh, You were on BBC Cricket a few years ago, chatting to the commentators, probably on one of the, the tea breaks. Yeah. Uh, and you made every, one of the guys was asking you that I can't remember what his name was. Who was? Asking. Oh, Jonathan Agnew. Probably, yeah. yeah. He was asking you about his how to be a better dancer, and you said, "You know what it is? I've lived by this: fake it till you till you make it. Is there an element confidence. of truth early days in your career with that <laughs> confidence.
1: Um, I th- again, I think that's probably something I learned a little bit later. Um, that projecting confidence um and and I, I see it on stage I see people like oh, people who look confident you you then as an audience member feel comfortable and even if something happens you're like no, that's fine that 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 obviously has never happened before that.
0: you met that before. yeah
1: and and I think that's what I you know certainly in, in my professional capacity is that I I want people who are watching me to feel confident in my abilities so I have to project an element mm. of um yeah, ease and, and I suppose fake it to make it was just a, a nice way of tying that all up. Um, yeah. I, th- I think he was um, a little bit anxious about, he had a dance to do at a his, party your, or yeah, something. His yeah, his wife's part, uh, birthday or
0: something. No, no, was, there,
1: wasn't, there wasn't a lot of time, so I wasn't able to go to the sort of he fundamentals. So up, I, yeah. just, I wanted him to, to, <laughs> to go hard.
0: <laughs> no, I was using that as a segue though, because we haven't really chatted about it. You've alluded to it, but actually as a youngster, you're quite a talented cricketer. And your dad, I mean, you can explain, it, has been involved in cricket at New South Wales and I think Australia for, for a lot of his life, mm-hmm. like for a lot of your life. So you have walked between both worlds. Um, or maybe initially you can give your background around cricket, because I know you had to choose at a certain age. Yeah. right?
1: So, so Dad, um, when I was growing up, was involved with New South Wales cricket. Um, he uh, coached the stateside for a while. He was um, chairman of selectors for about 10 years. He was on the selection panel um, for even longer than that, I think his his affiliation with New South Wales cricket was over twenty years long, and most of my childhood. Um, so it was it was a huge part of my life because that was the time I got to spend with Dad. Yeah. You know, the weekends we were going around um, all the grade Sydney grade cricket clubs. You know, watching people um, who we were up for selection, and that was the time I got to spend with him. So that that was that was great. Um, the fact that I loved it as well was awesome, um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I think, yeah, having having the opportunity to, to see how... Because he, he worked at an elite level, you know, and, mm-hmm. and his... Um,
0: he would have had the Michael Slaters and... Well, the, that
1: was it. He, the, the whole thing that he then did as a high-performance manager was setting up um, identification um,
0: networks for the whole state. And so, and so, like, the pipeline for the young talent to come into the... Exactly.
1: And, and providing people from all over the state opportunities to... You know, work towards working, uh, playing for New South Wales, and eventually Australia It was always about, you mm. know, um, creating the best talent Go possible. Up the pyramid again. Exactly, and um, yeah, you're right. The the players that um, you know were coming through at that time, Michael Slater, Michael Bevan. i um, been good been old been days of that. cricket. Well, it was a good side then. You know, the War Brothers. That's and, what we all, watching it. Yeah, all the War Brothers actually. Dad, Dad was um, coach of Bankstown when. Um, Mark and Steve were still you know, involved uh, in grade creed and stuff. So that was, that was pretty exciting.
0: So, what have you seen um, in between the synergies with uh, sport and dance and vice versa?
1: I think the people who are able to go out and perform at their absolute best are those who prepare really well. The, the interesting thing to that, though, is that I don't think everyone has the same um, optimum preparation. What do you mean? So, I think that some people, you know, I I know for a fact actually that someone like Steve Smith doesn't sleep very well. He's fidgety. And and if you were to to change the way he would prepare, I don't think he would be able to to perform at the level that he does. Whereas if you just, you know, allow him to feel comfortable, and I think that's what it is, it's about going out feeling comfortable about your skill set and your ability
0: to perform. About you, not worrying about what other people do, what works for me.
1: Yeah, and I think that. Is something that I've I've certainly seen in you know the the workplace that I um, you know involved with D- different you know some for instance you know the, the guy I change uh, share my changing room with Vadim Montagerov, he's he's one of the probably the best classical dancers in the world right, right now he's, he's Russian um, and he he's so low key and chilled out and. His preparation involves coming in, doing a few stretches, going up half an hour before, doing a few jumps. And I, I, when I watched him, it looked very, sort of almost haphazard, a bit sort of, oh, he just does a few bits and pieces and he goes on stage. Just like Yeah, but the more I've, um, you know, spent time with him, I, I, I realise the whole day is a preparation for his, his show. So he will always come in and do class in the morning and he'll do it a certain way and do certain steps and there are certain things that he'll do certain steps um, and t- sort of have a bit of a checklist so he goes yeah. right, done that done that done that so then, out, then I can super structured
0: relax. routine yeah, from the, probably when he wakes up in the morning
1: yeah but he sort of does it in a very seemingly laid back way and he's able right. to go out and form at a very top level other people you know, have to be in the studio
0: for four or five hours you know, preparing
1: certain things they have to put their left shoe on before they put
0: their right yeah, a bit more neurotic Yeah, but inherently it's the same thing we just look at one who's doing it that way as well you've got superstitions but your what's what was his name? Your, Vadim. Vadim. Yeah. He does it in a manner because he's probably done it for such a long time and has confidence in his routine. It's kind of still a little bit superstition. I mean, that's superstition is the wrong word because routine in sport, whether it's Rafael Nadal doing all these little twitches and stuffs before he serves, is it OCD element of it? Yes. Is mm-hmm. it a routine? Definitely yes. It's yeah. it's one and the same. And you ask a sports side, they'll say uh, it's good while you're a compete While you're competing, it's not good when you're in <laughs> normal civilian <laughs> yeah. uh, normal world. <laughs> But really, it is. It's just working out what works for you. And if you feel more comfortable putting your left shoe on first, does it make any difference in the end? Probably not. But for you, if it calms you down, then inherently it does. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it does. That's interesting that you picked that up across different different sports. Yeah. Because I know you've spoken to the, um, the British, or the English cricket coaches. Mm. And like I think it was a level four thing I heard in that interview. So what, what are the kinds of things? Are they what are they trying to pick your brain on, or what? are...
1: So I, I think one of the things when they um, you know hear about you know, the way ballet dancers um, train or the way we prepare you know work throughout uh, an entire season, I think one of the things that really stands out is our the, the repetition and, mm. and the amount of hours that we spend perfecting a particular skill and how incredibly efficient we then become doing that. Um, and I find that amazing because you know I, I think a lot of sporting teams will practice things over and over again you know when you see slips catches for instance every day before a game they do that over and over again but even even then when they hear, hear the amount of hours that we spend on things mm. they think wow that's a, that is exactly another level, level. Um, and so that that was quite nice I suppose to, to hear um, from a personal point of view but I, I was surprised but that's the that's the thing that really stands out um, and the thing that really I think takes their interest right wow well, the amount of time that you spend perfecting and becoming you know super efficient at something
0: so it's basically it's motor mechanics you're not really thinking about it no, yeah, yeah it's the subconscious yeah and what about in regards to this performance I think I might've, you might have mentioned something around being able to perform exactly what you need to in the moment on the big stage literal big stage because that's kind of like a young player coming out to face whoever it might be on the MCG on a boxing day test for the first time for you, that probably wouldn't overawe you versus another small performance like local cricket because you're thinking about the process for a knowing sport. The bigger the, the bigger the platform, the more scared you become. Yeah. Is that-
1: well, I, uh, I think we're, we're quite um, good at, at knowing what we can control um, and, and focusing on you know, the, 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 the performance element of it. Mm-hmm. So by doing things you know, over and over again, you, you're going to try to minimise the, the things that go wrong. Um, and that's I suppose just trying to control the thing that you can yeah the process Um, yeah uh, being able to to perform that certain skill at the top level whilst you're under pressure I think that um, is something that uh, correlates across um, performance and sports Mm. Um, whether you would learn from one or the other or both ways I think is probably the way to look at it um, and that's certainly what I've found. Um, but for me, the, the thing that I've, I've learned most is that those who are able to, to do it consistently at a really high level are those who have a
0: really good understanding of what they're doing um, and how they go about it. Yeah, work it out, execute well, mate, I've asked you lots of serious questions. What about, what do you tend to do for fun? I know last week you knocked off the end of your season in Madrid, so that for me would yeah. be fun, although you were working. And yeah. you were explaining before we recorded that you then went to France for part work, part holiday, but now yeah. you actually have holiday. What do you tend to do when you have free time? This must be an absolute anomaly for you.
1: <laughs> it is. Um, well, I, I, I don't really know. I, I'm, <laughs> don't, <laughs> I'm here. No. Um, look, I, I, um, my, my interests do revolve around... Um, sport um, and, and art so you know I I, um, I I do try to watch as much sport as I can when, when I'm not uh, Australian sport
0: or English sport these days a bit of both actually um, yeah,
1: right. I, I do like the, the football um, I don't actually have a, a particular team that I support but the, the level
0: you know, that they play out in the Premier League is amazing. But get on Fulham if you want. I'm down at the cottage all the time. Well, they're in the Premier League now no, as well, that's so... Strong, mate. Um... And I was not bandwagon. I have the shirt from last year. <laughs> <laughs> go
1: that's great, yeah. No, I, I... So I, you know, like to be able to do that. Um, even just things like, um, you know, going to the cinema and stuff, you know. Just it's, normal stuff. Just normal things. Um, catch up, um, you know, with a few friends. Um,
0: go for coffee in the middle of the day, guilt-free. It's
1: it's nice to be able to do that and not think... Um, I think... Actually, when I'm on holidays, I, I realise that throughout my year there, I, there there's always a, a sort of mild anxiety, you know, which which peaks during performances and really tough periods. But even when there are periods, you know, that, that maybe rehearsals aren't so so difficult, I'm always aware of how I feel. Like, in the morning, I wake up and I get my left toes a little bit sore. Um, oh, jeez, what do I do to my do neck? Do I sleep
0: funny on my shoulder? And,
1: and, and how is that going to affect me for class? And then, oh, when I'm doing class... I might have a few hours break. What am I going to do in training that'll allow me to, you know, rehearse at my best at four o'clock? What am I going to do then? Whereas now, you know, in the holidays, I just wake up. Everything everything feels great because I'm I'm, I'm not worried about.
0: Um, you don't wait You don't after a few days go like, oh, should I have done more leg like, work this week, or should I not have eaten that cheeseburger? Last night? <laughs> no, or, you mean, completely switch I've, off. I've
1: switched off. Yeah, um, I have cool. found I have found that in uh, holiday time. After, you know, a period of time, it's usually, I reckon, about a week, if I've not done anything and I've just, you know, stayed up late and, you know, had poor sleep or, you know, eaten maybe not optimum foods, <laughs> um, then I do start to feel a bit uh, lethargic. Right. And that, I, I I will get, it you know, sort of itchy feet to go out and maybe do something physical and then it doesn't have to be ballet or in the gym it might be you know going for a swim or you know I, I don't really run I don't like running long distance but bike rides things like that just something physical yeah. but um, change it up as well yeah and, and, and I, I, I do like that so um, yeah I, I, I do
0: bits of physical activity and then just put my feet up and watch, watch some TV <laughs> nice. Uh and how I mean you're 32 or nearly, you're 32 this year you're yep 32. in December yep what What's the, the lifespan of a dancer? I mean, how long do you think you'll continue for?
1: I think that, um, you know, similar to other sports, um, maybe not contact sports, but you're probably looking, you know, mid-30s um, as an average. Right. Uh, at the top level, you know, as a principal, you can maybe extend that uh, into your 40s. Um, Is
0: that because the roles they'll give you will change? Yes. Yeah,
1: you, you might be able to... Um, become a little bit more um, considered with the rep that you're doing so you might be able to maybe cut a few things out but still do others you know it might be that it you know, maybe physically less demanding or it's um, maybe not as stressful on, on a particular part of your body that you know you're susceptible to injuring Yeah. Um, and because you know as a principal you've developed um, a bit of a maybe reputation or a bit of a following you know they want you on stage and you're uh, if you're keen to keep going. I'm sure people
0: come in to watch you There is an element
1: of that certainly so um you, you there there might be the opportunity to extend your career you know longer um, i don't know whether that's something that i'll be able to do or not um I think it'll, it'll hopefully it'll boil down to you know whether I have the motivation or not rather right. than can Capacity. I? Yeah. yeah um you know uh, I think it would be hard if you, you had to stop because, you know, injury or you just were really terrible. you <laughs> <laughs> not yes, bad, Is a career ender. That. That, <laughs> that correlates would, across That sport. would be a bit sad. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I think that, um, you know, in, in this next period of my career, I'll be doing everything I can to, to, to make sure that it's a decision made on whether I
0: would like to yeah. um, rather than have to. Yeah, right. Okay. All right mate. Well, let's go to some quick light-hearted ones. Although it kind of correlates to what we we're just talking about. What do you enjoy most about being a professional dancer?
1: I think being on stage and performing um you know there's a real buzz that you get from being on stage and being watched and that. I mean a friend of mine um, said recently, "How many jobs do you know that you know the end? Of, you finish and you get a massive round of applause. There are two thousand people literally, you know, clapping their hands and screaming, and going berserk. You know, that, that doesn't happen very often. No, you know? and that's
0: that's that's a buzz. Um, so that, that's probably one of the, the main um, highlights of the career. Well, actually, this one fits in well. Then, what do you think you would have done if you didn't become a ballet dancer?
1: I would have definitely wanted to be a creator, That's for sure. Yeah, um, I, I have a, a real competitive edge." Um, so I, I, th- I would have liked to have you know, been in
0: some sort of sporting field. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll go cricket. <laughs> well, I've seen footage of you hitting balls in the nets. Which, uh, <laughs> I don't know much about cricket either. but Good, good coach, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> so you're on your side helps. Uh, what's your fondest memory of your career to date?
1: Um, I think actually the last season um, I had a couple of moments that really were, I, I, I feel like I'll look back on um, as highlights in my career, and they were sort of almost back to back. So it was a period of time um, where I was I was performing the leads in in two ballets, Giselle and Manon. Giselle is a ballet that I had always wanted to do, um, and it seemed that I I wasn't going to get the opportunity to do that role, um, which was a you know a, a bit of a sore one for me. I was I, I really had a clear idea of how I wanted to do the role, and and um, was hoping to get the chance to do it. So having the opportunity to do that was amazing um, and then the other role in Manon uh, the the role of Degria is, is a role that I had looked at and always thought oh that would be nice but I'd never really felt that that was something that I was going to do or um, it maybe even needed to do to feel a sense of fulfilment at the end of my career but I got the opportunity to do it um, off the back of doing some extra rehearsals and just saying, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll I'll help out. You know, no guarantees that I'll do shows, but I'm willing to do it because I'll I'll learn some things along the way. And then I got the nod, and and that was an amazing experience as well. They're both really great roles, um, and the process of both of them, um, the coaches that I had, the people who I'm dancing with, um, it just it all felt really really great. And I thought this this these are the sorts of moments that I hoped that the career would would be like you know when yeah. you, when you're dreaming and fantasizing about you know what it's going to be like to be a principal at the Royal Ballet when you're 14 15 years of age that's what I thought it was going to be like and that you know having been 12 years into a, a professional career to experience that then you realize that that's not necessarily something that you know happens yeah. you know, it's it, not a lot of people will will reach that level and um yeah that was quite a, a good moment well, two things
0: I love out of that one, the fact that it wasn't necessary, it's not you're not saying oh, I was standing in front of after nailing this performance, the two and a half thousand. You've brought in the different elements, the working with good people, you know, finding value in so many more things than just the one fine moment. But also the fact that you've been able to stop and reflect on something um, as important to you because that is another issue of working in this resilience space. Everyone looks past the good things and constantly goes what's the next thing I'm going to fail at? Or what's the last bad thing that happened that the yeah. people who seem most confident and happy are the ones that are able to enjoy moments and sort of bank them in that positive part of the brain. Um, I,
1: I think, if I can, you know, if you don't mind me expanding on go that. Go for I, it. Um, <laughs> gold. I, I didn't have a really happy time when I was at the, the Royal Ballet School. And that, I think, was dealing with... You know, maybe being part of an institution, um, you know, for the first time, not not really long understanding, way a long way from home, a lot of challenges, as you can imagine. Um, but I had the opportunity to talk with a sports um, psychologist uh, through through my dad, uh, who'd worked with New South Wales cricket, and we had a fantastic conversation, um, and we did a few little exercises about you know resilience and dealing with challenges. And one of the things that um, he said to me as we came about, he said, Alexander, you're going to have to be really careful. I said, why? He said, because I can see that your personality is one that thrives on progress. And he said, and that's great because you'll probably, you know, go on to achieve really highly um, because that sort of drive and determination is great. And you're always looking, you know, how can I get better? How can I get to the next thing? He said, but you really, really must take time to... um, you know enjoy and reflect um and at the time i focused on the um you know the fact that he said that i'm i'm a person that um thrives on progress and i was like yeah great let's go bang 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 bang, bang. and it wasn't until a bit later that i realized that i probably hadn't enjoyed some of the bigger moments my career up to that point and that that was a shame because if you're not enjoying them and if you're not just even taking a moment, and going, yeah, that's pretty good. That's a that's an exciting moment. What are you doing it for? Mm. Um, what are but you going how to remember? Do, you do that. Well, last. it's it's very easy to do because I think especially if you get on a roll mm. and things get exciting, you just keep pumping through. But there will inevitably be moments that are quieter, or you you'll have to face challenges or disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that I deal with those um, much better, being able to you know just sit back and go, well, yeah, okay, this might be rubbish and I don't enjoy this right now but there have been other things and, and, and I'm okay yeah and, and being able to I I've, I always uh, I, I don't know I, I, I worried that you know thinking about you know good things or, or you know um, reflecting on things and going oh that was good that made me feel good was maybe an, an egotistical thing to do you know should, should we be doing that should, should I be patting myself I on the back? is that, is that a, if I stop to reflect yeah is that a bad thing to do but no, it's not. It can actually be a really useful tool, um, I think, and I, I've, oh, yeah. I've certainly found that. Um, and it was all through, you know, that, that, um, that meeting that uh, was set up through the connection that I had mm. in sports. So Even
0: though it didn't resonate necessarily, he's planted a seed, the sports site planted a seed, didn't blossom necessarily until later, but the fact that you had that opportunity.
1: Yeah, and it, 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 it had a huge impact, definitely
0: definitely have to get you out to some of these schools and i we'll talk about resilience because that's exactly the stuff they need to hear these uh, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> um, we keep connecting these very well because my next question would be what advice would you give a young aspiring dancer ballet dancer in particular if they were sort of the start of their journey that would help them maybe three things that would benefit them
1: I think being able to to focus on on yourself and what you're doing um, and and and, and working on the, the process of things is important. Um, we spoke about it earlier, being able to, to look back on a period of time and maybe even if I didn't get the result that I wanted, which does happen, you know, you, you might not get cast for the things that you want, um, but being able to look back, you know, the, the six months prior to that and go, I did all that I could, I did all the training sessions, I, 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 I woke up early or I did the, the, did the right things, That'll make you feel better. I think you'll be able to cope with you know, the disappointment of maybe not getting the nod um, better than going, oh, yeah, I, I, d- I did party every weekend and I didn't do the Saturday classes. Mm. Maybe, you know, and I, I, yeah, I, I think that was one of the biggest things um, that helped me to be able to deal with disappointment because I think, unfortunately, we were all going to have to deal with disappointment at some point.
0: That's part of it, isn't it? Yeah. It comes back to I keep thinking about that—that that videoing yourself and just acknowledging what you're not doing well. That's going to help, help you avoid a lot of dis- disappointment down the line. Yeah, because you're confronting it early. Uh, what are your three favourite books? I, I was thinking about
1: this on the way over, and um, I, I like reading, um, but books that have—I um, think—you know—resonance with me. Are, they're it's they're, a bit they're a tougher. Question. Yeah. What books that resonated with you. But, but, it's, <laughs> but it's, its interesting trying to think about that. Um, I had to put something by Roald Dahl in there because I
0: love Roald Dahl. And then going I, solo or boy? I,
1: I didn't mind them, but I, I the one I'm going for is Matilda because I, I just love the whole um, you know the idea of, 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 a, of developing a, a you know magical power to be able to deal with stress bullies. And, and bullies. I, I, I love that. Um, Good call. So that, that that one's in there um another one that um really resonated me with me um a while back um is the shadow of the wind um but read that what's that about um well, gosh it's been such a long time that i read it um, i i worry that um i might be uh, it I think that was, of... that was rubbish um <laughs> the author was carlos ruiz zafón um i think it's spanish um it it just had an impact on me. I, I just loved the way it was written. And it it's was, a novel, yeah, 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 yeah. I really enjoyed that. And the other one, there were a few others in there, but the the, the other one that really um, stuck out for me was um, uh, Brooklyn by Kong Tobin. So the one the
0: yeah. movie was recently based on. Yeah,
1: and um, my uncle gave me the book for Christmas a while back. I'm not sure how many years ago, before the film was made. And um, it's a story of. Uh, an Irish uh, lady immigrating to New York, New York. and um, but I, I remember reading it and you know I, I left home at a young age it's not the same obviously it wasn't in, um, well, of course, yeah, but, yeah. but there's a passage you on
0: a ship across the ocean no right?
1: it's a very different time and sort of set of circumstances but uh, the writer captured, there's a, a section in the book that he, he basically describes um, loneliness and, and being away from home and dealing with that and um, I've, I, I read it and it just captured it mm. really really well um, and I I, when I I read books a lot I don't find myself in tears but I I, I, I struggled with that one um, but it, it's it's beautifully because of written because resonance but that yeah. makes a lot of sense and, doesn't it? well it, I just felt like um, he, he understood uh, what it was like to be even you know understanding that the decision that you've made was for your benefit maybe for other people's benefit as well but it's still hard and the and the Mm. and the guilt that you feel for feeling lonely or sad or scared when so many things are doing or so many people are doing things that are you know meant to be benefiting you and and you know that they will benefit you in the end Mm. um Really, really struck a chord with me, so I thought I'd put that in there as well.
0: No, that's a good... I like that one. Yeah, I mean, we could spend another whole hour <laughs> yeah. talking about that. I've only seen the movie, but I remember, again, I've, I was living overseas, not the same thing as you at 16, but when you live a lot, Australia's such a long way away, it does mm. sometimes change your uh, perspective on, on, on different little things about... It was your sacrifice to move away from your friends, but noted also your family's sacrifice, like your mum and dad, to have a 16 year old then who's on the, the other side of the world. Yeah. Uh, and then couple that with the isolation. But anyway, we're not here, <laughs> not yeah. here to be so honest. <laughs> Two more questions that I haven't asked these of other guests before, so I gave you a heads up at least, which helps. But I, they're challenging questions. Mm. Firstly, what, what's your definition of success?
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah this, that is a tough question. Um, but I think what I sort of came up with was. You know, being able to... It it comes back to that looking back and being able to say, yes, I did all that I could. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked as hard as I could. I did all the right things. Um, I dealt with the challenges in the way that I wanted to. Um, Because if you don't do... If you don't do it in the way that you want to um, or, you know, behave in a certain way, you know, I realised that I didn't want to be a particularly pushy person in my career. I didn't like maybe sucking up to people that I yeah. you know, didn't like. Um, but I was much more comfortable in my own skin. Um, perhaps I could have gotten to where you I know, ended up quicker or in a different way. But being able to sit here comfortable in my own mm. skin, that, that that feels like a win. Um, sticking to
0: your values. Yeah,
1: and I think that's actually quite important because I've certainly seen people who maybe haven't done that and then they're, they're not um i don't know it doesn't doesn't feel as
0: do they good. feel as successful later on yeah
1: um
0: because i'm a massive I, proponent of how values are such an important part of performing i never really thought about it it's really a big part of success because if you exit, succeed without sticking to what's most important to you and i think that is inherently your values is that really s- success or is there going to be that little bit of doubt or guilt or yeah I don't know, I like that. but I think he's well with a tough thought, question. Thought. <laughs> but I've left the hardest one, I think, to last because this is one I don't even have a definition of myself, which yeah. is why I've decided I stole it from someone else's podcast. Right. Why I'm going to ask more people. But what is your definition of, of happiness?
1: Yeah, that, that's tough to roll into one. Um, I think professionally, I would say something like, you know, uh, like a job, job's well done. I you know, yeah. think people doing things at a really high level and doing things well, that. that that makes me happy, um, whether it's myself or my partner or the, the, the group that I'm in, involved with. When things come together and go well,
0: it's a bloody good feeling. Yeah. Um, Which is consistent with what you said, the fondest memory looking back was that collection of you guys creating this yeah, you know, I movie mean, that show. Yeah, and I, I,
1: I didn't realise that that was something that maybe would stick out for me so much. I've always thought that I've, I'm quite... Um, selfish in a way in that you know I, I i do focus a lot on myself and and i prioritize you know my training and you know everything towards the performance um but really the things that that have stood out and the, the fondest memories are those things that i've shared with others so mm. maybe i'm not as selfish as uh,
0: i realized <laughs> or thought But <laughs> well, it seems to make you quite happy so i'm smiling now the, yeah exactly right <laughs> Well, mate, this has been, I, I've always pr- I've been, I promised you and I keep saying I'm going to keep these things to 45 minutes. We're now at nearly an hour and 20, but it's it's hard when you sort of get in these chats. You've got so much to offer. Oh, thank um, you. I guess with 12 years, that's not a surprise, but really appreciate you coming around. We probably should have had a cup of tea out if, <laughs> if we are going to do it the proper <laughs> London way. That's it. Yeah. Um, but, mate, I'll, I'll have to hold to my promise of coming to watch you perform when you're back next year, but also implore anyone who's... You are going to be in Australia, I think, later this year, performing in Queensland? Uh, no, in Sydney, actually.
1: Oh, in Sydney? In Sydney, in December, yeah. Okay. Um, Is, be... Do you know
0: what the, sort of the, the, the where and the what?
1: So I'm performing at the Sydney Opera House mm-hmm. with the Australian Ballet. Um, we'll be performing Cinderella. I haven't got the dates for that
0: just yet. But, but if they be keep an eye for Cinderella in Sydney?
1: Early December, yeah. Nice. It's going to be
0: really exciting to be back here. Home crowd. Yeah. Maybe there'll be some performance nerves there. I, I
1: suspect so. Yeah, definitely. Um, and... dad, dad in
0: there with his notebook about <laughs> what you can improve on.
1: Yeah, all of that. Um, no, I'm, I'm really excited about that.
0: Oh, mate, I wish you all the best for that. If I was there, I would come watch, but we'll have to do it here in London next time. So, mate, thank you very much again. I like the fact that I can shake your hand is a hey, great result. Yeah. So thanks for coming on. Pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to Alexander as much as I did having him over to my place for a chat. Uh, as, I'm, as I said at the start, I'm sure you found there were plenty of fascinating insights into how ballet dancers are really up there with some of the top performers in the world. Uh, I haven't seen enough of it, but from what I have seen, the physical feats that they can do absolutely rival what uh, pretty much any athlete in the world can do, and then their ability to stay composed and perform really, really fine movements in high-pressure environments, I think, is really fascinating. And hearing our Many hours Alexander puts into his craft, it's not a surprise that he's one of the the top ones in the world. So last thing from me, as usual, is the quote to close it out. This one is from Sun Tzu, the author uh, of... Oh, what is that book called? The Art of War. I've gone blank. Very obvious. Sun Tzu's The Art of War. He's a Chinese military tactician and a general many centuries ago. Don't ask me when exactly. Uh, But this quote is... Victorious warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win. In other words, those who prepare thoroughly end up performing well and consistently, versus those who go out there and wing it, for lack of a better term, often are the ones who fall apart. It may get you through a couple of battles or performances or matches, but in the end you will become undone, because as Sun Tzu said, victorious warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated warriors Go to war first and then seek to win. That's all from me. I look forward to chatting again soon. As And and as always, if there's anything that you want to ask about, chat about, or potentially recommend as far as questions or interviews, please get in touch at danjackson23 on Twitter. And no one emails anymore, so you don't need to know that. Have a great time. We will chat again soon. Bye.